Welcome to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and this is a podcast about minimalism, sort of. It's a podcast about how living with less stuff and less distractions can help us focus on what's most important. So what you'll find here, of course, we will talk to cluttering and living with less, but we'll also talk about the important things in life and how to approach them intentionally. We'll approach topics of motherhood, home life, relationships, work, our health, and the important things in general that fill up our days. And what you won't find here, a perfectionist version of minimalism. I'm a mom, a full-time teacher, and a podcaster, and I've found the version of minimalism that you may find on Instagram or Pinterest to be unattainable. We aren't minimalism purists here. We're simply focused on living with less in a way that's realistic to us. It's a version of minimalism I personally like to call minimal-ish. The goal is not living with less for the sake of less here, or to make sure our homes make us look like a minimalist. The goal is living with less in a real way so that we can have more time and space and energy to focus on what matters most. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and today we have a topic that is a different one for the podcast, but I think it fits nicely into the idea of intentional living, and that is yoga. Today we are talking about yoga and meditation and deep breathing and all of these tools that can help us get present and kind of retreat from the constant noise around us. If yoga is not your thing, that's okay. I think this conversation that I'm having today can still be beneficial to you even if you've tried yoga and you don't love it. We talk about more than just yoga here. We talk about ways to help our kids kind of adjust to a new school year or adjust to kind of anxieties in general, different ways to ground ourselves, different ways to just get out of our heads whenever we're feeling those anxious thoughts spinning. So while it is kind of centered on yoga, I think there are tools that anybody could take in this episode and run with. So my guest today, Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts, is an internationally celebrated Peloton yoga teacher and scholar, and she is expecting, so she is on the road to parenthood herself, and Chelsea's mission is to make yoga and meditation accessible to everybody. She has a unique style of yoga, she is an expert in slow flow and restorative yoga, and she creates classes that leave her students with a strong sense of belonging and accomplishment. So, if that sounds like something you would enjoy, or even if you think, you know, it might be something you'd enjoy, you can always find her on the Peloton app, which is really fun, but also... You're just going to love this conversation. I think that movement in any way is an important part of intentional living because it helps us in so many ways. It helps us stay healthy and it helps our mental health as well. And yoga is just one of those ways to get ourselves moving and it can go even deeper than just the movement part of yoga. So we're going to talk about all of that today along with, like I said, how to kind of get your kids involved um, and how yoga and deep breathing and meditation can help our kids too, especially in this back-to-school season. Chelsea's doctorate is in education, and she has an expertise in dealing with children. I think you're going to love it. So let's dive into my conversation with Dr. Chelsea Jackson-Roberts. 
Okay. Well, I am so excited to talk to you today, Chelsea. Before we get started, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So thank you for having me. Excited for our conversation today. I am Chelsea Jackson Roberts. Some call me Dr. Chelsea, and that's because I actually have a PhD in educational studies. So I started off as an elementary school teacher. After that, I decided to do my doctorate at Emory University. I was also at Teachers College, Columbia University. So I've been very committed to education in general, especially for um, children um, ages like from pre-primary to you know, 12th grade. And so I started practicing yoga while I was a school teacher, like when I was in my pre-service years, during being a school teacher, and it just really impacted me a lot. So I started to integrate into the classroom. Fast forward to today, I'm in a totally different space because I am a Peloton yoga and meditation instructor. So I always like to share my full journey to how I got here. Um, So yeah, I'm an educator forever though. (laughs) That's awesome. I actually didn't know that. So I am a teacher as well. Um, I teach high school actually. Okay. I teach virtually now, but I was in the classroom before. Mm -hmm. My husband was an elementary PE teacher. Now he's middle school. So we're a family of teachers here. Oh, nice. I want to hear a little bit more about like your story with yoga, just how you fell in love with it and why it's become such a big part of your life. So can you share just a little bit more behind that story? Yeah. So I remember it like yesterday, it was, I just graduated. I graduated from Spelman College out in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. And so, you know, it was the transition that I noticed that was really hard for me. I'm an only child. And so to be away from home, I started to, you know, I don't know, you know, I didn't go and get clinically diagnosed as depression, but I just remember feeling really um, fragmented. I felt really like not connected because of these transitions. That's how I handled transition. And so I remember being very curious about yoga and seeing, you know, magazines with yoga postures on them or teachers. And then it wasn't until I actually graduated from Spelman College that I stepped into my first yoga class. And I wanted to do this because I wanted to get back into my body or even get into my body to understand my body in the first place. And I wanted something that seemed accessible. Now, I know your listeners out there, some people can see yoga in ways where it's just like it's portrayed that you got to be super flexible, super strong, have this incredible endurance. But I saw it because I saw people who did yoga and I was just like, they look happy. They just look like they haven't figured out. And once I started practicing, although I knew that it wasn't like this happiness that was just like almost um, not real, like almost this happiness that was kind of forced, it was this knowing, it was this um, contentment, it was this acceptance. And so I wanted to give it a try. So I opened up a book for my first practice. It was a Rodney Yee book. I remember that. Um, and then I stepped into my first yoga class in my early 20s, um, like really early 20s, right after graduating. It was a hot yoga class. I always like to share the story. I fainted in that class for the folks who were just like, I don't know if this is for me, but look at me decades later where I'm still practicing. And it began to evolve. And I honestly thought that yoga was simply, now I'm in New York City, 
background <laughs> with the motorcycle. Sorry about that. Um, I remember, um, you know, when I first stepped into the practice, I thought that it was just this workout. I thought that it was purely this physical practice. And it was later in my early adulthood that I actually tragically lost my one of my closest friends, who was actually my freshman year um, roommate, and lost her to gun violence. And I went back to that practice of yoga because I was like, there's still some connection that I felt that when I was going through transitions, when I was kind of losing my way, it brought me back to me. And so I was like, well, I wonder if it would support me as I go through this traumatic event. And so that's when I really started to dive into meditation more than anything. And so I, I like to share, you know, that full story because everybody has their different ways, their different paths for starting yoga. And I never judge anybody's particular path. Mine was thinking that it was completely an exercise until I started to do my own research and go deeper beyond the physical practice of yoga. So that is my story. <laughs> I love that now it's your life's work to be bringing it to others. And you help others with obviously teaching yoga, but you do meditation as well as part of yes. that. Yeah. Okay. Very yes. cool. Hand in hand. Yes. First of all, um, I'm so sorry for your loss of your friend. It's so interesting to hear like how yoga has brought you through so many things. And on this podcast, we talk about intentional living a lot. And I think I really enjoy working out. The first workout that I ever did that I enjoyed was yoga. And then I like didn't really, I went to college, I didn't move my body much. And then I started back into working out through Pilates. And now for some reason, it's like, I don't know if it's being a parent or what I have had trouble getting back to like, anytime I do yoga, I'm like, man, I just can't like, I can't quiet my mind. I don't know what it is. I can't do it. So you're um, human. Yeah. <laughs> you're human. Yeah. So I'm just, uh, I'm so interested to just hear more about like how yoga can benefit parents. I, we just talked before this, you're 30 weeks pregnant. Um, I just had a baby four months ago and it did, I did do some yoga towards the end of that. And I think it helped me physically mm -hmm. a lot um, through delivery. I did some like, you know, labor prep type of yoga, but yeah. I want to hear how has yoga benefited your pregnancy journey so far? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is hard. And I was just saying while you were talking that you're human, we're human. And I think that yoga for me reinforces that even more. It reminds me to be patient, to be kind with myself. My teacher, Swami Jai Devi, will always say, don't allow your yoga practice to be one more thing to beat yourself up about, that you're not being perfect in it or that it's not looking the way that you think it's supposed to. And so I think when we embrace that part of the practice and take it in little chunks, little bite-sized pieces that we can um, approach the practice with, like if it's just five minutes of sitting, closing your eyes. Now I'm a first time parent. My husband and I are both yogis, we're both certified yoga instructors. And we've had the, you know, the luxury of being able to have pretty flexible schedules. Well, now we're about to introduce a whole new human into our family, and I'm sure that it's going to change and shift. But I know that yoga for me has, I, I mentioned when I did my announcement on social media, you know, that I was pregnant. I said, this is about to be my biggest yoga practice ever 
because it's almost like all of these decades of practicing yoga was all for this moment to go into the unknown. This is something I've never experienced before. And of course, I've been a school teacher. I have nieces and nephews, but there's nothing like having your own human that you're responsible for. And so I imagine that my yoga practice will be even more potent and more essential to my everyday lifestyle than it has been as, you know, this single woman walking this earth with her partner, with her husband. And so talk to me in a couple of months and ask me how it's going. But this is how I approach anything that is the unknown for me. You know, when Shane and I first got married, I had never been married before. And there are moments where we look to our yoga practice to navigate our relationship. I was never, you know, we moved to New York from Atlanta, never really worked in New York like that before I went to school in New York for a period of time. But it's just like, if I can apply this practice to everything that is uncertain and unknown, then I know that this practice is doing exactly what it is meant to do. And that's to help us navigate life. Yeah, I I love that you talked about how it has helped you through transitions. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that, you know, as you've been pregnant, as you all the things that go through our mind while we're pregnant, right? Like all the emotions, all the hormones that change things. I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's been a stable thing through that. Um, And, you know, whatever parenthood brings your way. (laughs) All the changes. Yes. Um, So how, how long have you taught yoga? So I started teaching in 2005. So it's been quite a while that I've been um, teaching and practicing yoga. So you've been teaching for a long time. So I'm sure that you have (laughs) taught, you know, a vast variety (laughs) of people. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of parents who listen um, into Minimalish, a lot of moms. What are some ways that yoga has benefited parents in general? I always think to myself, like, I need, I need to do yoga. I really, I don't know what, what it is. I just feel like, you know, this is the stretching part of it, the flexibility part of it, Mm -hmm. but also just, um, the mind body part of it. So Mm -hmm. what are some ways that you've seen it benefit moms? If anyone's like, Oh, I don't know if I'm fully convinced on yoga. Yeah. So, I mean, by definition, yoga means to unite, to yoke, to connect and, I imagine that the listeners out there, parents are in moments where they may feel like they're being pulled in many directions. You're having to manage not just your life, but the life of little people and the life of your partner and you as a family unit and perhaps co-parenting, like all of the different scenarios. And so whenever I feel like that, regardless if it's through parenting or through my job, my profession, through, you know, being a school teacher, there is this moment that I feel like, okay, I am overwhelmed. I don't even feel connected to myself anymore. I can't even take a moment to be present and breathe. And so yoga is actually this framework where it's just like, all right, take a moment, breathe, notice the breath, observe how you're arriving to your practice today, and not judging it also. You know, I often tell my students, I'm on the Peloton platform, and I often tell them, even before we get started, just take about two minutes to just observe the breath. Don't try to control it. Don't try to direct it. Just notice how you're arriving. Notice all of the things that are coming up. And when we are honest and grounded in the truth of all that we've been carrying, 
all that we've been, you know, all of the activities in our, our lives, I think that gives us an opportunity to be honest and then decide where do we go from there? And then from there, maybe you get into a five minute yoga practice of moving through some sun salutations. Maybe you get into a full 30 minute or ooh, an hour yoga practice. It's just like, sometimes that's not realistic, but I think that those are the building blocks for us being more present, um, not just as parents, but as human beings in general. And this life moves fast. Like even through this pregnancy, I'm like, whoa, 30 weeks, how did we get here? We just found out yesterday that we were pregnant. And it's just like that practice of presence to me is how life truly remains potent in a way that we can absorb the deliciousness of what life has to offer. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. I think that that, you know, two things you said really kind of hit me there of just like one the idea of overwhelm because I think that that is what a lot of uh you know parents experience and and that a lot of times when we when we're feeling that way and I can speak from experience like we want to kind of escape almost or like we feel like we have to like I cannot be in this moment anymore because I'm just feeling so overwhelmed by all the different responsibilities or like the noises, I don't know, overstimulated, you know? So um, just the idea of something that can bring us back to ourselves and, um, you know, back into our bodies, back into ourselves in general and help us become more present, which is, I think, what a lot of us want. We all want that. We all want to be present in our life and be able to to focus on what's right in front of us. But when we're feeling that overwhelm, it, it can be hard. <laughs> Absol- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Somehow the summer is already ending and that means busy season, back to school and regular life chaos is coming our way. One way that you can make your life easier as this busy season starts is Little Spoon. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid, delivered right to your door. With fresh organic baby food for every stage, toddler and kids meals that even picky eaters will love, and healthy snack time with their new smoothies line, Little Spoon has you covered. Little Spoon makes everything fresh and uses absolutely nothing artificial. It's just like homemade, all delivered to your door and ready in seconds. You can pop your meals right in the fridge or the freezer, use them when you're ready. Their recipes are absolutely delicious. They help set your little one up for a lifetime of health and it's perfect for that back to school season when your kids need nutrition, good nutrition and energy to get them through the days. I have tried so many of their meals and I've even tried some of their smoothie snacks as my daughter has been eating the meals and trying those smoothies. And I even think they taste amazing, but she definitely does. And that's what matters. And my baby is enjoying some of her first foods with the single ingredient Little Spoon baby food. The best part is that the price is right. The kids meals are under $6 and the baby food and smoothie snacks are under $3. So it makes trying Little Spoon easy. Make this year's chaos a little more manageable with time-saving, delicious, and healthy meals and snacks that you can feel good about. Enter code MINIMALISH at checkout to get 50% off your first Little Spoon order. That's 50% off your first Little Spoon order with the code MINIMALISH at checkout. All right, let's get back to today's episode. 
Well, um, what about children? So that's been a huge part of your work in general is children, right? Mm -hmm. So have you kind of, um, have you taught yoga to children or do you know, like, what are some of the benefits that it can offer our children and how could we kind of begin to, to introduce it to them? Absolutely. Oftentimes that's the biggest question that I'll get in terms of like, so how did you end up here? How did you end up at Peloton and you have a whole PhD in educational studies? And it's because I was an elementary school teacher and I started to integrate what was helping and supporting me when I was feeling overwhelmed, stressed out. Shout out to all of the educators out there, especially public school educators, where we have a tremendous amount of demands placed on us. Um, And so I just remembered that I got curious. I was like, well, what would happen if we had a moment of turning off the lights and we all close our eyes and just listen to our breath? What would happen if we have these break breakout moments of just stretching? And so I started to look at that a little deeper. And that's when I ended up doing the PhD program, five-year program, where I focused primarily, all that I did was looked at how yoga, meditation, mindful practices impact youth and how not only does it impact how they navigate the school, their school matriculation, but also how does it help them make friends? How do they bring that into their homes? And so, yeah, I'm definitely um, excited, if you can't tell, every time I talk about youth or children, young adults in yoga, and the parents with whom I worked, when I was working with their children, the biggest thing was they were like, how do I get my child to do yoga? How do I get my child to do meditation? And my first question is, do you make space and time for yourself to do yoga and meditation? Even if they're not physically seeing you right now do the yoga or meditation, maybe you're like, mom has to go outside and do this for myself. Dad is going to go off and you know go to a yoga class, whatever it may be, get on an app and do a yoga class. And so I think it's important for them to, you know, they're sponges that absorb a lot. And when they see us dedicated to our well-being, then that reminds them that they're worthy of dedicating to their own well-being as well. I often tell um, parents to not expect for children to look the same or sound the same in their yoga practice. I remember when I would do these summer camps of yoga with like eight and nine-year-olds and then parents would almost get frustrated that they weren't quiet. I'm like, listen, they're kids still. And so that's important to make yoga fun and accessible. I'm all about making yoga accessible to all humans, including our younger people. And so it may not look the same as a quiet atmosphere that we're used to as adults. Maybe it looks like us doing popcorn frogs, jumping up and down and then taking just 30 seconds to be quiet and listen to the breath. And so I think that um, that children, yoga, we can learn a lot from them, for one, because talk about being present. They can really be in the moment with certain things, especially their curiosity when something is new. I think that as adults, I'll speak for myself, the more that I'm here on this earth, the more that I learn how to kind of disconnect and not be present because we're in a space that that really encourages multitasking. And so the one thing that I love about children is that they can be so present and grounded and and in the moment. And so, yeah, I love to see children who just light up when it's time for yoga. <laughs> I love it. I, I, my, my daughter will do like um, 
we we find yoga on YouTube every once in a while, mm-hmm. and especially whenever I was doing it at the mm-hmm. end of my pregnancy, we she wanted to do it too. So um, I found some things that were fun for her, and she really loves it. But I I want to hear more about when you were working with kids with this, and especially like how it impacted them in the school environment. What are some changes that you saw, and I guess even like what are some things like specifically? Um, was it like breath and meditation or what, like certain practices that would maybe be even, you know, daily beneficial? Um, yeah, I feel like I asked like two different questions there, but I'm following you. I okay, good. Yeah, definitely the breath work. Um, you know, in yoga, we call it pranayama. I wouldn't call it that with children. I would say like, we're going to take some time to listen to our breath. We're going to take some time to learn for about how we're feeling. And I think that as children grow um, through the stages of child development, that there are learnings in conflict, there are learnings in relationships, there are learnings in friendships. And I can see the frustration sometimes in children when they are experiencing a conflict for the first time ever. And it's just like, if they had those tools to just to pause, to listen to their breath, to just notice how they're feeling, how wonderful would it be for them to have that as a tool in their back pocket at an early age so that as they move through life, they know how to also navigate these these uh, the unexpected, especially in relationships with others, um, how to navigate that. And so, you know, I think that children in particular, we can learn, I, I just mentioned this, we can learn a lot from them. And so my primary goal when working with children is to, you know, listen to what it is that they want. You know, maybe I have this preconceived notion of how they should be doing yoga or because of my own experience. And I also like to learn from them. I remember it was an exchange when I was an elementary school teacher. Yeah, I had the ideas, but then I wanted to know if you could create a yoga posture, what would it be? What are you wanting more of? Do you want silence or do you need a moment to yell? Do we need to go outside and, you know, go wild and yell, like whatever that may be. And so, yeah, the breath work in particular so that they can practice being present and observing how they actually feel in any given moment, Um, being attuned to their body and how their body feels. When I was a school teacher, I remember this um, huge emphasis on standardized testing and there wasn't a lot of opportunities for them to just go out and play and be children and so I started to get creative and clever where it was just like oh you want us to have a science lesson today we're going to go out and we're going to learn the science in in collaboration with learning our own bodies and how it feels to take in a deep breath to open to you know to exhale and let go. And so, yeah, it's the breath, it's the movement, it's the practice of being present. And in in yoga, there is a sacred text called Pantanjali's Yoga Sutras. And while I probably wouldn't introduce that as the, I may say it in class later on, they, listen, they get it really quickly. But although I wouldn't introduce it as that, one of the first, um, the yamas and the niyamas, one of the first yamas is this practice of ahimsa or nonviolence. And like taking those yoga sutras, taking these sacred texts from India that are thousands of years old 
and applying it to the life and world as we know it now, it is huge. And so if they're practicing nonviolence, if they're practicing principles of integrity, of truth, of honesty, of not taking more than what is needed, I think we could learn a lot in society about that by not hoarding resources and, you know, using our yoga practice to learn those fundamental lessons of life. So that's what I love about this practice. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like it goes from, you know, there, it can be as simple as just breath work, right? Or like movement, and then you can get deeper into it of just these principles that you can learn along the way as well. You know, we're in back to school season right now as we're talking. So is there anything like even just like a couple of um, practices that we could teach our kids? I, I don't know. Let's say school, just the school age, like elementary kids, like the age you may have worked with um, that might help them, you know, something they could do before they go to school or something that they can come back to in the day if they're feeling overwhelmed. Um, anything just like tangible like that, that we could kind of equip them with that might help through the school year? Absolutely. I think you just said it best. Like, honestly, um, taking a moment to get grounded before you go out into the world. I remember as a little girl, I was so nervous and excited about the first day of school. I had my clothes picked out. I was just like, who am I going to sit by on the, the bus or in lunch? And so our children are feeling just as much anxiety, if not more, than we do as adults when we go out into the world. And so I think opportunities to get them grounded before their feet even hit the earth or however they move through the world, um, going to school. And so there's a practice that I love to do where I'm sitting back to back with either a friend or a loved one. And if you don't have an extra person, just finding something solid that you can lean into. And so if they have a sibling or it's, you know, the parent who's back to back with them seated, maybe on the floor, cross leg and easy pose, Sukhasana, and just taking a moment to maybe take five collective breaths together. And on that last breath, just allowing yourself to lean into each other so that the children know that they don't have to do this all by themselves, that they have someone to lean on, whether it's their teacher their schoolmate, their parent that may not even be in the physical space when life gets hard at school, which I know it can. Um, Just that practice is really grounding of leaning into another person. And then taking a moment, I always loved, my mom was a school teacher too. She taught after 35 years, she retired. My dad was a probation officer, so he was a little bit different in what his profession was. But I remember my mother in this knowing of when I would get home from school. So what did you learn today? What were you excited about today? What was really tough today? And perhaps coupling that with a yoga practice. And I'm not saying anything that has to be really long, but maybe you're holding a posture in that moment when you get home, kind of like this re-entry back into your your space of your, your family unit. And maybe you just have that child reflect on what was I excited about today? Or what's a yoga posture that embodies how the day felt today so that they can take the the ownership of, you know, showing you what it, how they feel and how it feels in their body. And so those are just some fun and, you know, creative ways to integrate yoga um, into your day. Yeah. I love the idea of, um, the leaning posture that you were talking about and 
just the idea that sometimes kids don't have the words to, mm-hmm. to tell us how they're feeling or they're just in that moment. Maybe they're so overwhelmed and, and not able to, to gather that. And so I just love the idea of movement to, to help them express their feelings. And then yeah. just the idea of, of how, that leaning thing that you were talking about, you know, that <laughs> just, uh, it's so beautiful. It's just the idea that they can kind of take that with them and, and, and not to use the same word again, but lean yeah. back on it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and think of the fact that they, they have a supportive parent at home. Um, you know, even if they're having a rough time, they, mm-hmm. they have someone uh, waiting for them at home. So yes. yeah, thank you for that. Okay. So kind of going back to uh, just really quickly, like what, um, as we, as we kind of close out this conversation, going back to the mom, the parent, the woman, whoever, whoever's listening mm-hmm. in right now, if, if there's someone um, who's listening, who wants to make yoga part of their daily life, maybe even like bring it into the family life, what are just some tips you have in getting started? Yeah, well, first, I always say start off slowly. And, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to be on the Peloton, the Peloton platform is because of the net that we can now cast. And the one misconception is that you need like the equipment to practice yoga. All you need is an app, um, whether that's on your smartphone or your, your TV, you know, the Roku, whatever it may be. And so I invite people all the time, give me a try. Like I have five minute classes. I have 45 minute classes. I have an hour classes, but mostly they are in pieces that people can come back to. They live on there so you can come back to them. And then also I tell people again to start off slowly. And even if that first week is you doing a five minute class, or a five minute moment of breath before you leave the car or leave the house, let that be your practice. And then once that is over, then maybe you bump it up to 10 minutes to 15 minutes. But really, I always say like, it's better than doing absolutely nothing. Five minutes is better than not taking a moment to notice how your body, your breath is feeling. And so I invite you all to come on over and practice with me over at Peloton. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that, you know, we could find you on there and do a class with you. The Peloton app, we can search your name to find your classes, right? Yep. Yep. Awesome. And on on, uh, social media, I'm Chelsea Loves Yoga. So that's another way that um, I let my humor. A lot of times I think that people think that yogis are like really stiff and dry, <laughs> but we are also, you know, very full in our, our personalities. And so I like on social media to interact with folks that may not see themselves as yogis and make it a little bit more fun and accessible. So I have moments where I'm joking around about, yeah. It's hard. It's hard sometimes to be present. So yeah, you, know, you can find me there as well. Well, thank you. That's awesome. Um, and I, you know, I think in a world where it is life is overwhelming and overstimulating, right? We've got social media, we've got this life that, like you said earlier, encourage us, encourages us to like multitask and always be mm-hmm. doing something and checking something off a list. I think yoga can be such a great tool to help us quiet all of that and get present. So thank you for sharing all of this today. Before you go, though, I do have two questions (laughs) that I like to ask every guest. They're kind of just for fun. Um, The first one, because we like to talk about kind of simple living and 
simplifying our stuff on this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. What's something that you're simplifying right now in your life? Oh, simplifying. I think, I, I think I know my road to parenthood is being simplified. Whereas I could think that I need all of the things, all of the whatever is coming up now in my social media because of the marketing, because they know that I'm pregnant. They're like, you need this, you need this. And I'm like, hmm, what if I simplified this? And so I think that my husband Shane and I, who I have to mention is definitely a minimalist. He has practiced it, he has read it. And it was so funny to see the two of us come in union together because I was not a minimalist. I'm learning now in many different ways, but he has certainly given, supported me with the confidence to know that we are prepared. Of course, you need the essentials, but I'm not going overboard with the things that I know that they're going to grow out of, the things that are just taking up space that we may never use. So my road to parenthood is being simplified right now. (laughs) I love it. That is so good. I just went through kind of the same thing. Um, You know, I had a daughter years ago and I wanted to have all of the things to be prepared Uh because as a first time parent, you're just like, you don't know what to expect. And the marketing will really prey on you. They want, they want you to buy all their little gadgets, but um, yeah, that, that is such a good thing to simplify because when it comes down to it, you buy all those things, they take up all your space and then you're even more overwhelmed. Exactly. Um, Well, I love that. The second question that I have is what is something that you're loving right now? Something that I am loving right now. I just got back home, um, home from home. I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio, and I visited my family who had not seen me pregnant ever before in life. And so I am really loving being and practicing presence with my family right now. And whether that is my husband, Shane, as we prepare for life to never be the same again, or if it's going back home, especially during the pandemic, where I used to go home a lot more frequently, um, that when I went home, I I really disconnected from devices and I was just really present. So I'm loving practicing presence with the people I love. That's great. I love that. It's a fun, exciting season of life. So congrats to you. And Thank um, you so you know, much. I hope everything goes well as you kind of finish out your pregnancy and welcome your baby into into the world. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show today. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, I would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend or shared it on Instagram. I know it was a different topic that we don't typically cover on this podcast. I don't think we've ever talked about yoga on this podcast, but I hope you enjoyed kind of this unique conversation today. Remember that you can find Chelsea's yoga classes on Peloton. So if doing a yoga class is an action that you want to take after listening to this episode, then you can find her there. And that is all I have for today's episode. Next week, I'll be sharing another guest episode with you. And I'm very excited because it is the first of a series that we are going to do every five or so weeks on the podcast. It is a series called Minimalism Stories. So we are going to have different guests kind of just sharing 
back to basics, like their story about how minimalism changed their life and their biggest tips, biggest learnings, just sharing stories with one another and being impacted by each other's stories. So I hope you find me back here again next week and I will talk to you then. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.